Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges, the business journey podcast by Eden Exchange. Today on Eden Exchanges, we spoke to Connie Clofinas and Natalie Toza, franchisees for Simply Helping in Central and Northern Melbourne. Listen as Connie and Natalie chat about the industry, the appeal of the franchise model, the opportunities to grow their business, operating in pandemic times, and who would best suit a Simply Helping franchise opportunity. Listen on to discover more. Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Ellen from the Eden Exchange team. Today our guest is Connie Cliffinus and Natalie Toza, franchisees for Central and Northern Melbourne for Simply Helping. Thank you for joining us today. Hi Ellen. Hi. Thanks Natalie and Connie. So can you start off by telling us about your respective backgrounds and how you first became involved with the Simply Helping franchise and what are your current roles? Yeah, sure. So my name's Connie and my role is business owner and franchisee for Simply Helping Central and Northern. My background is in corporate. I'm very new to the home care industry. I've held various leadership positions, mainly in customer service across organisations in the telecommunications industry and fast-moving consumer goods. So I had some great experience there and have decided to bring that across to this role. And yeah, first came across Simply Helping when I started to think about my next career move. So I did a bit of soul searching around what was important to me and led me down this path of looking for an opportunity in this industry. Yeah, there's just a real sense of purpose in what you do every day and you can absolutely make a difference to people. And so for myself, I've also come from a corporate background. I spent 20 years working at a large telecommunications company. I held many roles there across sales and marketing, business development and customer experience. I've also had experience with leading large teams. I left that organisation and also had a big career change I started as a NDI support coordinator and then a team leader working for an organisation that specialised in mental health disability. I was there for a couple of years and then, yeah, Connie and I kind of hit the same pathway. We were looking for our next opportunity and we thought that, you know, we had the skills to kind of do our own thing and be our own boss, if you like. So it was Connie, as she mentioned, that came across the franchise opportunity. We did all our due diligence and here we are, you know, three months into owning a franchise. Wow, it does sound like both of you had an exciting career. And just thinking more about what Simply Helping has to offer and what was going through your minds at the time, what made you believe Simply Helping was the right opportunity at the time? Yeah, so as Nat mentioned, we did our due diligence. We investigated some different opportunities across different industries as well. And probably the main factors, Ellen, that made this the right decision for us, firstly, was was the culture at Simply Helping. So, you know, that's really important for Nat and I. And we both have had a really good experience and connection with the different people that we'd be dealing with across the Simply Helping franchise network. And as I said, that was really important for us. And we felt that those connections were genuine, helpful and really inclusive. And the second thing that was important to us is just the strength of the brand. So simply helping in the marketplace and the business model, we'd had lots of real positive feedback, uh, which was important. And also the breadth of the services that simply helping offers was also really appealing to us, given that you know we were undertaking a significant business opportunity. Probably the final thing that, that for me personally that was really important is just the opportunity. So the catchment size and the area that that we look after is significant. You know we're accountable for uh, close to half a million people in populations. We were able to service those individuals. And from a longer-term perspective, we saw that as a real benefit in terms of our growth and business opportunity. 
So talking more about the characteristics of the Simply Helping business and what it has in regards to presence in the market, can you describe what type of clients you work with? I'll answer firstly, some of the unique things we see about Simply Helping is it's got a really clear vision to be the premier provider of in-home care, and that really appeals to Connie and I. It's a very inclusive culture, like Connie mentioned before, it values diversity and difference. The national office team, they've got a really broad experience, and that was really important to us that we wanted to be aligned with a support network that had experience in the field of franchising. Simply Helping has also got really good, strong partnerships with external organisations to develop the business, for example, marketing, IT support, finance. So that was really great for us as well. And they've got a really clear strategic direction for the business. So in terms of opportunities for the future, specialising in the LGBTIQ community and also with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. The clients that we support are people with disability, so people that would have an NDIS plan. We also work with uh, My Age Care consumers and private customers. Connie and I don't work with clients that might have a TAC or a work cover scenario, but other franchises do work in that space. We just haven't ventured there quite yet. So yeah, that's that's the kind of clients that we work with. Thanks, Connie and Natalie. So Simply Helping is not a sole operator franchise business type. Each franchise is a significant operation with territories and staff to manage the demand. How large is your franchise? So like Connie mentioned before, the the catchment size in terms of population is, is nearing about half a million. That covers for us about 60 suburbs. And if you looked on a map, you know, from the northernest point of our area to the south, it's about 50 kilometres. It's significantly large and that, you know, it has its advantages and disadvantages, I guess. It's the trying to staff that to meet the demand is an interesting challenge in terms of where our service users have popped up so far versus where our staff live. What we've tried to do is we've looked at our catchment in four sub areas, if you like, to try and build a different marketing and recruitment plan to suit the specific needs of each section. So one, for example, might be the CBD in surrounds of Melbourne. And that's kind of where we want to play into the future. We're just learning how to do that and be more efficient with our time and resources to manage that demand. That's how we're approaching it at the moment. Thanks. Now, are you finding that there is still significant room to grow your business to meet the demand in your territory? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been operating our business for only a short amount of time and we found that demand has continued to grow each month. You know, it's really important for us that we deliver quality support services that are person-centred. So that's, that's absolutely the cornerstone of what we believe in. And I think that's also been the cornerstone of our growth month on month. Strategically, as Nat mentioned, we've segmented our catchment area just based on the sheer size of it. That's absolutely setting us up, I believe, for success in the future around delivering personalised, differentiated support services for that area and also trying to link that to where our staff live just to make it a lot easier and a more smoother experience. We've also um, really thought through our strategy around uh, supporting different communities. You know, we're, we're very lucky to be amongst a very diverse population, you know, very culturally, linguistically diverse population. So once again, we're making sure that we recruit for that so that our staff can deliver quality services for those communities. 
Great. It sounds like you're able to deliver everything you set out to and it's well and truly planned out. Now, where are you seeing the demand for your services at the moment? Are you experiencing more inquiries for a particular offer over others? So since we started only, you know, recently in July across our NDIS participants and aged care consumers, probably the biggest demand that we've had is for domestic assistance. So home help, tasks around the house, cleaning, things like that. Another area of demand is definitely people needing help accessing the community in the NDIS space. It's really hard to gauge the exact impact the lockdowns have had in Melbourne and on us receiving more inquiries about this because obviously we've only been able to travel a certain amount of kilometres and people are really wary about being out and about. And interestingly, just since spring has popped up, you know, a lot of people are wanting to get help in the garden. So that's just starting to increase right now, probably a seasonal thing, I think. So yeah, that, that would be the three areas for us. Okay, and since the pandemic began, Melbourne has now been recognised as a city to experience the most days in lockdown. Have the lockdowns in Victoria had any significant effect on your ability to franchise? Yeah, I would say extremely significant impacts. I mean, we've got nothing to compare it to because obviously we've only operated during a lockdown, but you know, just simply people are really wary about having someone come to their house. If the support that they require isn't urgent, some have decided to put things on hold because they don't want people coming to their home, which is fair enough. There's a lot more administration. If I imagine what it would be like not being in a lockdown, you know, we need to maintain worker permits for staff. We have to keep daily logs of where staff have been. It's the extra conversations that we need to have with people about whether they're vaccinated or not, chasing up all the paperwork of evidence of those vaccinations. It's really hard to quantify for us the business that we might have had if we weren't in a lockdown, like I mentioned before about accessing the community, but it definitely would have been an impact because, you know, we get inquiries and, and people say, oh, can you do this? That Oh, yes, we can, but, okay, we'll have to wait until lockdown's over because we literally can't travel more than five or ten kilometres. There's also a cost, you know, there's the cost of providing PPE to staff. We have to educate our staff around completing a daily health check on themselves, so assessing whether they're well enough to go into the community. We need to pre-screen every customer before we enter their property to make sure it's safe for our staff to go in. Our catchment exists in the hotspot zones of Melbourne when it comes to positive COVID cases. So we've had staff who have been potentially exposed to COVID. We've had customers with COVID. So we've had to be really vigilant and we've had to protect our staff. Some people have had to isolate. So it's put pressure on us to backfill those hours. And again, just I think it's hard to quantify also the impact that it has on people's well-being. They call it, you know, the COVID fatigue. We've all been operating in this space for quite some time. And what how that impacts staff day to day, it's hard to quantify. But yeah, those things, it, it's definitely had a big impact on us as new business owners. Yes, it has been noted this lockdown apathy has affected a number of ministers, but it does sound like Simply Helping is doing very well for the circumstances. And we've actually noted that you've actually been thriving in a way. Now, you've done a lot of research and a lot of new measures have been put in place to make sure that you are providing a COVID safe service for each of your clients. Was the model previously COVID-proof or is that something that you've had to adapt during the pandemic? 
Yeah, well, I'd say that the franchise model has just continued to evolve and transform as we've lived through the pandemic. You know, in terms of being COVID-proof, I don't think it's a stagnant thing. I think we just continue to move with the times. You know, as Nat mentioned, there's there's a lot of routines that we undertake and a lot of lots of rituals, and that's around our priority of making sure that our team members are safe and our clients are safe. So that is absolutely number one for us. So, you know, um, whether that includes our staff conducting self-assessments on their health every day, our support works pre-screening clients before they commence a service appointment, us regularly talking to our team members and clients as well, just about their general well-being. So there's some of the common practices at the moment, but as I mentioned, I think as a system, it's great because the, the team, the franchise network just continues to evolve and adapt as we continue to live and learn about the virus. Yes, and there is a rainbow coming soon. We are opening up soon. The vaccination rates are happening and people are looking forward to coming out of lockdown and experiencing and changing things. They've had a long time in lockdown to think about how to improve their businesses, to think about what avenues there are to progress and develop what they already have. On that note, where are you focusing the business now and what new niche opportunities are available now that weren't necessarily there before? Well, given, you know, we're only three months in, we're definitely in a recruitment phase right now and it does feel like we've been recruiting since we started, which we have been, but we definitely need to build a deeper and, you know, increase the numbers of staff that we've got in finish off this quarter of the year and then build into 2022, hopefully in a lockdown-free Melbourne We'd really like to do some unique local area marketing, promoting our team on social media into the community. So we've done a little bit of that, but we'd like to do more of that. The niche opportunities, I think since we began, like I mentioned before, we haven't really been able to offer the full benefits of participants accessing the community and and engaging in social activities just because no one's been able to do anything socially or go, there hasn't been activities to go to. So I think that is the big opportunity that we're hoping will present itself and we can have staff able to support those participants, work towards their goals in the coming months, you know, as we head into spring and summer. That sounds great. Now, just talking more about the role and the mindset that's involved with being a franchisee for Simply Helping, in-home care takes a certain type of person to manage and grow this type of franchise. Reflecting on your own experiences as franchisees, what personality and experiences do you believe are key to your success? There's quite a few. <laughs> I think you really need a genuine interest in helping people. I mean, this is what Simply Helping is all about. It's the people business in terms of the clientele, but it's people business with managing staff every day. You really need to be interested in improving the lives and well-being of others because that's what it's all about. You know, my experience in the NDIS has definitely been helpful for me, understanding the terminology, how the system works, and it's definitely assisted us with some early momentum. I wouldn't say that kind of knowledge is definitely required, but it has been a benefit to us. I think you need to be really focused on the long term. It's really easy to get caught up in the day-to-day challenges because there's no two days the same, but it, it is challenging. Long hours of work, trying to set yourself up. I mean, there are two of us, which does help, but there's a long list of things to learn and do and make decisions about every day. So you need to be willing to put in a lot of hours. I think you need to be really resilient to get through those tough days. Definitely need to be able to problem solve. 
the number of scenarios that have presented us that we would never have come across in another role are, are a lot. And getting through problems, keeping calm, being self-confident because you, you do need to network, you know, so you need to put yourself out there and call people that you maybe don't have a relationship with. So being comfortable with that is something I would say would be a quality. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, definitely concur with what Nat has said. Firstly, the, the genuine desire to help people and really just enjoy connecting with people whether that's your team members or people in the community and potential service users, I think that's that's key. You know, the resilience and ability to be adaptable, every day is different. A lot of it's driven by your clients as well and changes, whether it's in their rostering or, or even availability of your team members. So um, being able to be, just be calm and come up with solutions around that is really important. There's a lot of processes I've found as well. So having a mind for process and also continuous improvement and innovation. One thing that and I really are encouraged to do is, is just look at di- digital innovation within this industry and within how we work to make it more efficient with all the legislation and documentation that we need, which is really, really important. And probably the final thing for me is just general business acumen. You know, you're managing a whole system of processes, people, service experience. So just the ability to connect the dots and understand cause and effect and and how you can press certain buttons to create a positive impact for for your service users at the end of the day, because that's what it's about, you know, differentiating your service, making sure you deliver quality experience and treat your people really well. That does sound like you've thought a lot about it and it does sound like you're doing really well. Now, talking back on that quality of service, what training and support did you receive when you first became a franchisee and has that level changed as your business grew this year? Yeah, so we had a very comprehensive four-week induction program, which was fantastic. It was very well structured, delivered by the National Simply Helping Office very well thought through and it involved different people across the business, which was great because we had the opportunity to engage with them and understand their level of expertise and and their experience. So that set us up from a process perspective around some of the different things that we would be leading when the business commenced. Since then, we've also started to develop really good relationships with other franchisees and I think that's been important. And Nat and I have those relationships and absolutely fostering and nurturing those because often we found it's having those conversations with other fellow franchisees who've you know lived it as well and can provide realistic input around what they've experienced it just gives us a bit of comfort and also some great intel and information to draw upon so that's been great in particular those relationships now for anyone thinking of owning a simply helping franchise what piece of advice can you offer and what due diligence should they be focusing on before submitting that inquiry For me, there's a few things. I think living in or close to where you're thinking of purchasing your franchise is a big benefit. Obviously, if you live there, you get a sense of the community. It may be helpful to have staff living in the same area as well. So I think that geography is really important. Probably researching the demographics of the area, understanding what competitors might exist and probably doing an early kind of SWOT analysis on your level of experience and knowledge. I think finding people in your own personal network that will support you or have contacts that they might be able to connect you with is helpful. One thing we've learned is finding a good accountant (laughs) that might have experience in franchise models. That's been really, really helpful for us. And getting really clear on the franchise fee structure and the support that you'll get from the national office team would be some of the things that I'd 
say. Yeah, and for me, definitely understanding the financials. It's it's a big investment and it's really important for us as new business owners to be comfortable with that, what's needed in, in terms of the setup and even the forecasted payback period and setting up that tracker so that you know if you're being successful or not and what your milestones are. That's really important. Even spending time with someone in the front line to understand what exactly it is in terms of the service that's delivered to people, I think that gives you really good perspective. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about, making sure that that is a quality experience for for your clients. And probably the other thing is, for me, just the depth and, and the range of people you deal with every day. So just make sure you're comfortable with that and make sure you are able to listen and understand as well. That's critical in this business. Thanks, Connie and Natalie. Now, Simply Helping sounds like a worthwhile opportunity to franchise with. Now, for anyone listening to this podcast who is keen to put their name down for more information, there is a button beneath this podcast to submit your inquiry, and the team at Simply Helping will get the ball rolling ASAP and get you started on your franchising journey. Now, thanks again for joining us on the podcast today. We do wish you all the success in your developing business journey, and we hope to hear from you soon with an update. Thank you. Thank you. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Connie Cliffiness and Natalie Tozer, franchisees for Simply Helping in Central and Northern Melbourne. To find out more about Connie and Natalie and the Simply Helping franchise, or to discover other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to our networking website, businessbyinvest.com. You can also subscribe to this series on iTunes or Stitches if you're using Android. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for recent info on the buying, selling, and investing world. Thanks for listening.